Hello everyone and welcome to episode 217 of The Cool Room. I'm your host, David Griffiths. Really hoping you're enjoying some great beers out there in podcast land and hoping that you all got to make the most of Local Brewery Day, which was in Australia just over the past weekend, and that you supported your local breweries by going along and having a pint or two uh, to make sure that our industry that we all love can keep ticking along. Um, We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Lane from Hard Road Brewing joining us here in the Zoom room on a Thursday night. Uh, really encourage you to make sure that you have the right beers in front of you uh, to taste along as we discuss them. And you can do that by going to our Shopify store. If you go to Google and just type in Cool Room Podcast Shopify, uh, that'll send you over to the store and grab the Hard Road Tasting Pack and you can sip away as we discuss some really fun beers, really fun, fun range of styles as you'll hear. Look, while you're there, why not grab some of the beers for the upcoming shows that we've got? So live in the Zoom room on coming Thursday nights. Uh, we've got a great lineup. We've got the Zythologist coming along. Then we've got Tom Delmont from Fixation, an absolute favourite of the Melbourne craft beer scene. And then we're going to have Hop Hen along to round out our March in the Zoom room. So you can support the podcast by grabbing some of those beers. Lots of other fun things over in that store as well, like our hoodies and our t-shirts and some great beers from Adroit Theory Brewing. Uh, anyone who listened to episode 210 uh, with the great team from America uh, will know that there's some really fun things coming out of that brewery and I encourage you to jump onto the podcast website, onto the Shopify and make sure you grab those beers because uh, that's what allows us to keep making the show. So look, without any further ado, let's head on over into this Thursday night Zoom room and get underway with Lane from Hard Road Brewing. Well, hello and welcome to episode 217 of The Cool Room. We've got a bit of a treat tonight. I feel just because our special guest tonight has a North Face hat on that I need to sort of pause for a moment and like our glorious leader from years past in Victoria say, right, everyone ready? <laughs> and we're ready to begin. Uh, Mr. Warren Wu, you're here in Melbourne with me. We've just had a storm cell come through where we are. It feels like a proper Australian summer day. My son's been off having his swimming carnival. It's got up to close to 40 degrees Celsius. Unfortunately, there's bushfires out there. We hope that everyone is safe. That means we've had a bright red sun during the day. Now the storms have come and now it's time to drink beer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw some of all right. So this is a little observation about swimming carnivals, which I I never thought I'd be making, but because I've got kids in the same position, there it is. Uh since when did people dress up for the school can like school swimming carnivals? Um I it used to be about the swimming when I was mate, mate, it's like Halloween. There's all these sort of levels of things. There's now a WhatsApp group amongst the parents at Blake's school. I'm not a member, my lovely wife is, where they discuss the costumes beforehand so that no one's sort of you know wearing the same costume. You're all out ranking <laughs> each other. So there's not, you know, so no one's going to, you know. David Jones to buy the uh, the swimming, you know, carnival outfit. They're all going to Bunnings to buy a, I don't know, a sausage. I don't know. I feel I'm, I'm losing. I'm losing track already, Warren. It's, it's awesome. All right, so let's 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 get this show on the road. Um, yeah, let's let's just kick it off. Uh, so we're lucky enough to have um, we're lucky enough to have Lane Jenkins with us from Hard Road Brewing, um, and I suppose Hi Lane, first of all. 
Good day, Warren. How are you? Good day, David. Welcome, Bort. Uh, I I think the first thing is is um, tell us tell us about hard lane, uh, hard road on hard lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, tell- it, no, no, it was it was an appropriate slip. We took the hard way as long as the hard as, as well as the hard road. So we're we're kind of right there. Nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and lean right in at that microphone, brother. So let's oh, get that. Yeah, we'll get in there. Um. So David's visited your tap room a couple of times now. The like, <laughs> yeah, by and, hook or by crook. Yeah, by hook or by crook. Um, tell us a little bit about your. Tell us a little bit about the tap room, which is open and bustling. I'm assuming it is. Yeah. So tonight, uh, what are we? Thursday night. We've got uh, uh, young Kevin uh, cracking off with trivia tonight. Um, probably not uh, child, you know, child friendly trivia, but. There you go. It's what we do here at the brewery. Um, Is his name actually Young Kevin, or do you just call him Young Kevin? Because that's uh, a very Australian thing, can I say? I'm rapidly approaching 50 in June, and so to me, everybody's young. Um, So uh, everybody across the bar probably gets a young this or a young that. So, (laughs) but it is definitely Young Kevin. I think he's he's uh, he might be approaching 27, uh, which feels like a baby to me. But anyway, there you go. <clears throat> so, I'm, yeah. I'm 50 in April, mate. So you're you're young lane to me. Oh, look at that. I'm your oh shizen. You're my elder. That's why I carried myself with so much dignity. All right. <laughs> um so um in so, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say with the brewery. So yeah, so um so anyway, trivia tonight, uh brewery itself, uh we are a 20 tap bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try and look after everybody. So outside of beers, we have, uh, we've just recently put some tap cocktails on, um, wines, Dibertoli. We, we try and do local stuff anyway. The spirits we all, we, we serve are all, we, again, we try and do our best to sort of really look after the local guys. Uh, Tiny Bear Distillery, they hold up a lot of our, our, our spirit side of things. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of it. We're just trying to keep the love local. Um, so it's n- something that David probably wrote on the question sheet further down. I haven't quite got to it yet. But I oh, think here we pre- go. It's starting already. <laughs> it's already started. Um, but it's probably a good thing to talk about now. Uh Hard Road isn't the first brewery in that building, it doesn't sound like. Uh no. Uh it's 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 not too complicated so angie and i my wife and i angie um we started a brewery called caltoria uh we started this back in 2015 um opportunity to the take over the building uh and uh, you might pause for a tick hold on uh you broke up badly there for a moment for some reason. Uh, All right. Maybe I'll kill my – should I kill my video? Yeah, give it a shot, see if that – Yeah. And, that and Warren, why don't we have you ask that question again after the traditional cool room clap, and that way we can take it fresh. There we go. Great. Um. So am I right in saying that it's not the first – Hard Road isn't the first brewery to be at that location? Yes, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. So we um 
So back in 2015, my wife Angie and I opened up uh, a brewery called Caltoria, and that was a production-only brewery. Um, we that was just to see if Angie and I could could, well, frankly, we could run a brewery, <laughs> um, and it turned out we could. And uh, a couple of years later, we were given the opportunity to. Um, uh, we were just hiring a small space inside this warehouse, and we were given the opportunity to. Uh, to take, take over the entire space. Uh, well, actually it was less of an opportunity. It was more of a demand. Um, it was either, um, take the building, uh, and lease it entirely or, uh, or leave. <laughs> so, uh, we took the building and, uh, and at that time we took on a few partners. And so we renamed the whole thing, uh, and we renamed it to hard road. So during 2018, we, we built it out into what it is today, which is a, a tap room and brewery. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, during that time, uh, we hadn't had we hadn't had a name change yet, but uh, it came during the build out of Hard Red Brewery. Hmm. And tell, you've you've sort of raised it there. Tell us what that was what that was like. You know, mm-hmm. it, it must be a reason behind the name. Tell us about um, the experience. Look, it it's going to be um, sort of anticlimactic, but uh, so when you, when you're naming a beer, it's easy. When you're naming a when you're naming a bar, or sorry, when you're naming a brewery, it's really hard. Um, it happened with Caltoria as well, and I've got a I've got a bit of a story for that uh, if you care for it. But um, yeah, uh, with with Caltoria, it took Angie and I a, a, about a year to to come together on a name. We finally came together with a name called um, we were going to call it Willow Wolf. Um, everybody's kind of familiar with the Pliny the Elder, um, Wolf of the Willows, right? Uh, or the Wolf of the Willow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the first, the first written, uh, the first written naming of the hops. Um, so we were, we finally settled on that. Um, we went to go trademark it, uh, and the lovely trademark secretary told us that, uh, not two weeks earlier, uh, somebody else had just trademarked that name or, or named very similar to it, uh, being with the willows, and we said, "Yep, yeah, but we're, we want willow wolf," and they said, "Yep, it's too close in the same category." And we thought, "Okay, well, th- throw the money at it, and you know, it's a hundred bucks or so just to register the name, and, and, and you get an official declination or decline of that." Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't think. We thought, well, maybe they might not actually use it. Maybe it's just a placeholder. Maybe they'll just let it go. They, they didn't, and and they turned into Wolf of the Willows, who they are today. Well, there you go. Um, so that was that was Kelton, and, and then at the, at, we were at the end of our tether on that one. Uh, so we said, okay, well, um, California, Victoria, Caltoria, that's us. So that was Caltoria. Uh, it turns out that's very, very, very similar to Carlton. Um, too similar, uh, apparently too similar for some some people's liking. Um, and then uh, during the build out of of, of the brewery as it is now, uh, we were throwing around tons of names. Everybody would throw around a name. So if, if you think you've got a great name for a brewery, um, go to Google, plug in the name, put brewery after it, and I almost guarantee a name. I, it will be, it will exist. Mm. Um, so we kept doing that, we kept doing that, kept doing that. Finally, somebody threw around, somebody said, oh, what about Hard Road? And I think we were listening to the Hilltop Hoods, but we were that's what I think of. Like when I <laughs> first read, you're very it. much in Warren's wheelhouse there. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I, I honestly believe we were, that was probably playing in the background and somebody, somebody just sort of flippantly went, oh, what about Barbara? And like everybody kind of shrugged their shoulders and went, yeah, whatever. You know, somebody plugged it in. They plugged it in. It's like you plug in Hard Road Brewery and, and you get nothing. And you're like, oh, uh, cool. Well, try the next thing. You go to trademarks and, yep, no, nothing comes up. You're like, websites. Yep, nothing comes up. You're like, yeah, get that in one. Instagram? And, and, Instagram's always the biggie for me. Yeah, okay. Well, Instagram, this was uh, – I'm socially, social media illiterate, so um, – I, I wouldn't have tried that. Uh, but in the end, yeah, it, it stuck. Um, ultimately, it's it's the most appropriate name for the brewery and the way I conduct myself uh, in that every opportunity I get, I take I take the hard run. Uh, <laughs> so so it, is, it is appropriate on a lot of levels. That is that is terrific. It sounds like it was a hard road to get to the name. So that's appropriate too. I am telling you. <laughs> um, we look forward yeah, we to exploring that story. Yeah, yeah. We, should, we definitely look forward to it. Um, but we should talk about the beer. I want to jump in and get that in, David, because otherwise we'll be eight questions down and then we'll talk about the beer and we're, we've missed it. We've little. never done that before. No, that's <laughs> never happened on this podcast. Um, so Hard Road Belgian Pale Ale. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... Not your typical American or Australian pale ale. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a fan. It's delicious. It's delicious. It and really is. It's It's got that beautiful um, amber hue to it, which I really love and adore in beers. Um, and although I like clear, super pale, super clear beers, it's kind of nice to see a little bit of color uh, occasionally. Um would you like to give us a little bit of a, a tour of this beer lane and tell us tell us a little bit of its history? Oh yeah, absolutely. So look, the 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 Belgian beers, well, far out. I mean, every, everybody's everybody on this podcast and listening to it uh, now and in the future will will know the 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 love of Belgian beers, right? There. One, one thing one thing with Belgian beers is they can be they can be quite big. Um, some of the Abbey Ales, some of the um, well, look, almost anything from Belgium is, is they, they can generally get pretty tall in the ABV range. Um, something we weren't particularly interested in with this beer, which is why we, we fashioned it after a pale ale. Um, with, and then with our pale ales, um, we're, we lean pretty heavily into malt uh, here at Hard Road. It's, it's one thing... I, I sort of demand that is in our beers uh, is a very heavy malt presence, um, balanced always, but, but, a, but it, I want everybody to know they're drinking a beer and not orange juice or anything else. Um, so with, with the Belgian beer, um, you, you really then want to lean into, uh, in, in tradition, you want to lean into a bit of the sweetness of the malts, uh, a bit of the lovely uh, belgian sort of esters, if you will, from the from the yeasts, and that um, and you can either drive those uh, you can drive those in a few different ways, um, largely in the fermentation process, but somewhat in the mash process as well. Um, and yeah, with this one, we we didn't go crazy with the hops. It is a pale ale and it is a pale ale base, um, but it's uh, we didn't really want to push the hops too heavy in this one. This is um, uh, my wife 
Angie, the the other lovely owner of this business. Um, this is this is well and truly her beer. Um, it was her design, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the history of that one for us. Mm -hmm. Can I ask, perhaps picking up on that and the styles of beers that you like brewing. Um, we've got a really fun tasting pack available from our Shopify, six different beers. But the three beers you've chosen tonight are not necessarily three beers that we see a lot from, or three styles, I should say, I guess, that we see a lot from Australian breweries, particularly in summer. Why these three beers? And for people who are new to craft beer tasting, why in this order? Well, look, uh, okay, so the for I don't really have a seasonal beer. Um, I, and David, you've been to the you've been to the tap house. Um, I think you have you will have found most of our stuff is fairly heavily malt driven. It's all dark. Um, anything but our lager will have a fair bit of um, color to it. Um, as far as why these three beers, one the Belgian pale ale is an absolute cracker. There's not a lot of them out there. Um, why no people argument. don't. Yeah, why people don't jump on this this style, I don't know. I think it's I think it's amazing. Um, the flavors in it um, and the way you can really play with the esters uh, and, and so many different points of the brewing process. Um, it's, it's just a, it's just a, it's a great beer to play with. Um, as far as, as you know, as far as the rest of the beers, the ESB and the Nut Brown, I agree. Um, you wouldn't exactly call them, you know, your your top three summer beers uh traditionally however um we we really push full attenuation in our beers um i don't i don't like overly sweet beers i don't like cloying beers um and i really like uh a bit of dryness to them so you know both the chestnut and the esb and the belgian well they'll be sweet there's enough there's enough pops and bitterness in there that they're not going to last too long in your tongue it's not going to be sticky sweet uh, and, and it's, it's, you can, you can have it on a day like today, honestly. I mean, it's just a hot, stinking hot day, mm. muggy. And, and it, I, I think they still go down all right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are the hops we're tasting? Given that malt is the focus, um, yeah. what's the idea behind the hops? So, so the hops in this beer, um, Without being too basic, I love the three C's. Love, love, love the three C's, right? So um, you're going to get uh, Centennial, Chinook, and Cascade, uh, and there's no dry hopping in this one. Um, Centennial and Chinook, uh, well and true, like, you know, very, very late in the boil. Uh, and Cascade and Centennial right there at the end as well, just for a bit more aroma and flavor. Hmm. Um, Can I ask, this is a question I asked when I was out at the brewery. This is me being, you know, we've just asked that sort of general question for people who are new to craft beer. This one's a bit more inside baseball, which is when you go out to the venue, there's two different pale ales on tap. There's the Belgian and there's the sort of the Aussie. Do you ever get customers who get surprised by having the Belgian? And like, if it was me, I'd be calling it the Belgian ale rather than the Belgian pale just so that people who were newer to craft beer had a bit of an idea about what they might find in their glass? Or am I just completely out of date now and everyone who walks in, you know, gets what they're having? No, no, no. Our, our, our other pale ale on tap is, um, it, 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 which, which is in our core range, the Belgian and the, and the Rides pales in our core range, 
Brightest Pale is very much an American pale ale. It's very hop forward, um, tons of malt, tons of hops. It's it's a great pale ale. It 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 it's um it's it's where I live. Uh, if if I if I could make Sierra Nevada my own, that would be my beer. You know what I mean? That's that's my Brightest Pale ale. That's yep. not everybody's style, um, uh, and especially here in Australia, uh, not everybody's chasing a, a lot of bitterness in their beers. Um, I love it. Um, not not in a balanced profile, but but I love it. Um, now Belgian is is an easy go to if they say, "Oh, I, we love handing out samples. We love handing out samples. Like if you want to try it, just taste it. I don't want to sell you a schooner or something you don't want to drink." So just I'll let you try whatever you like. If as soon as you hit on the Belgian, they'll just stop and go, "Yep, that's the one." I'll have you know stop talking. Just give me that. So it, it's it's an easy one for us to uh, to 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 kind of get across the the Australian market. See, I find that fascinating. I, this is the kind of beer I love. It's not the kind of beer that I think of as easily accessible. And to put it in Sierra Nevada terms, when I've owned bars and pubs before, the Sierra Nevada Nuna or one of or the you know one of those sort of beers has been my go-to, like a more Pilsnery mm. style has been my go-to beer for someone who wants a beer that doesn't taste like beer in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, go ahead. No, no, you go live, please. Oh, no, look, I mean, and when I, when I say Sierra Nevada, that's like, uh, I mean, so we, I, I, I come from every, I don't know who doesn't, but I come from home brewing. Um, so you, you kind of chase the styles that you drink a lot. Um, I absolutely love Sierra Nevada's, beers uh they're they're kind of where i go that's where i live um and and so with my pale ale i was really keen to to build something similar not the same something similar um i wanted to i find the sierra nevada today that i get um that, that's the import of sierra nevada and even when i go home hmm. um i find it a little washed out and, and <laughs> that's by no means a, a critique on sierra nevada believe yeah. me um, they do I, listen I, in. I, Be I, careful here. Oh, right. I know. So I, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm preparing for hate mail. Um, but honestly, I, I, I find the the amount of crystal that we use in this beer more to my more to my liking um, mm. than 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 I think they're they're probably not using a lot of as much crystal as we're using or, or care. Uh, I've got two things. So the first one is. How cool would it be to get hate mail from Sierra Nevada? <laughs> what could they possibly say? That would be an interesting piece of mail. But secondly, I'll send it to you when I get it, I'd, I'd frame that. Imagine. <laughs> Shout out to Byron from Sierra Nevada, who's playing with our AI and making duck photos on Facebook at the moment. By the way, just good on, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. Um, but the second one is since you've kind of brought up your your history and a little, you've given us a little glimpse of your your journey. Um, let's move on to the second beer and have a bit of a discussion about um where it all started from you for you and what where where the journey all began. Um, so the yeah. second one we're trying today uh and i'm really excited about this because i just think it's two things that go together really nicely um chestnut brown yep. uh, so chestnut brown owl uh i suppose let's start with the beer um for this one why chestnut brown owl what 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 where where does that come from 
how how does this how does this um God, there's so many questions. Like chestnut brown. Yeah, yeah, right. Except none of them are coming out. <laughs> none of them are coming out. We have, we have a whole bunch of questions which stay unasked. I'll start with, you know, where, where, where does the brown ale come from? Okay, so uh, okay, so nut brown ale is traditionally an English style beer. Um, it's its roots go back centuries, right? It's it's a very traditional English ale, I suppose. Um, nut brown typically just, just simply refers to the color of the beer. It doesn't it doesn't often well traditionally English beers English brown ales didn't have nuts in them, and yep. nor should they have. Um, they were just a, just a very um, malt driven beer. The nut nutty flavor comes from more often the both the grain used, the malt used, as well as the, the yeast used, which gives it a very nutty flavor. Mm. Um, so that, that I mean that's that's a bit of the history in the brown ale. Why did we do it? Um, well, far out. Why not? But um, <laughs> but on the same side, um, we. My, we lived up in so we we the breweries in Bayswater. We live up in the Dandenongs. Up in the Dandenongs, there's chestnut um, chestnut trees abound. Um, we brewing in a very small scale. Um, when we were pilot brewing a lot of stuff, we had chestnut trees in our backyard. Uh, we said, "Why the hell not?" And we chucked them into a brown ale, and and we had this really lovely bready sweetness. Mm. Um, which we weren't getting when we were just brewing it with 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 the malt or the grain, right? The grist wasn't producing that. The, the yeast wasn't producing that. So the 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 chestnuts themselves were giving this really lovely uh, bready sweetness, which you can imagine, you know, which is right up the chestnuts alley, right? Hmm. So chestnut brown ale. Uh, originally, we threw uh, we were putting in um, American oak staves. Um, again, this is home brewing, um, which is, which, which lent itself to that really lovely charred, like really heavily charred staves, yep. um, uh, which really lends itself to that, that lovely vanilla flavor that, that you kind of, that kind of lives in there. Mm -hmm. um, we did that for the first few commercial batches, uh, both with, both with local chestnuts and, and um, oak staves, but uh, turns out that's a bad idea in, in big fermenters. So uh, you know, chalk that up to a bad idea. Uh, can you, can you explain that, that bit to us for, for beer nerds like like? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Idea? Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I uh, might have. I might have uh, gone a little too far into the beard nerd territory. And um, so, if you're trying to impart oak oak flavors or or wood flavors, you can just use uh, staves. Staves are the sides of a keg. Mm -hmm. uh, sides of a cask. Sorry. Um, if they're not charred enough on the on the beginning. Then you can hit them with a blowtorch and really darken them up, and that's where a lot of the flavor comes from. You can do that with whiskeys. You can do that with anything. Um, you can you can get a lot of flavor from just charred staves. Um, in a small batch, it's easy. In bigger batches, it's not easy because it, it needs res. Lane, we're losing you for a second there. We might just have a little. 10 second break for the audio to catch up. Presuming it's not just me. No, I, I think it's, yeah, it wasn't. Um, uh, those, now, the 
Uh, I might have lost still a little. Yeah, I might have lost you. Oh, have you lost us? Still a little choppy. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try another. Yeah, yeah try another. Give it a shot. One hit. We can challenge ourselves. Yeah, um, it shows it's, yeah, which is really funny and broke down then because lanes, you know, the three small bars which are in the corner next to your name, which indicate the signal strength. Uh, lanes was quite good. Um, I, it looked like it was good. You know, they were white and. I've never really known that was a thing. Are they never not three bars? Uh, no, sometimes they're different colors. All right. I think I might be back. So far, so good. Yeah, that's sounds good. Yeah. I Are we back? Yeah. I think you just, uh, where we lost you, you just were talking about hitting the staves with the blowtorch. And... Oh, far out. That was a long time back. I I was <laughs> I had a great time chatting to myself then. I said some really <laughs> funny shit. Warren, Warren do a clap and give us a, little, give us a little point in all of that, mate. All right. <laughs> um, to yet, Lane, you were saying that... Uh, the it, it, like you can you can blowtorch the staves and they will yeah okay apologies yeah um modern technology so yeah. um okay so for the beer nerds we all know you can you can hit um you can hit uh, either french oak american oak you can hit it with a blowtorch darken it up this is the same with wine with whiskeys with anything uh depends on the char on the staves or the char on the bear and the cask that determines the level of, of color, of flavor you get from those different woods and so on and so forth. Um, so when we were brewing in smaller batches, we were brewing, uh, we could throw staves in. It didn't matter how long it was in the tank. We would often leave it in the tank for about three weeks. That would impart enough of that flavor from that, from that material uh, that we were happy with it. And then we would you know, do the rest of the work on it, cold crash, carbonate kick it out the door. Um, in a commercial setting, that's not always a doable thing, right? So we had to, we had to do some workarounds, um, got our flavors right, um, got our additions right. Uh, we're no longer using the charred staves, um, but we're using some other stuff to, to get that same flavor that we that we originally had in, in the in the chestnut brown ale. Mm -hmm. chestnuts are still in there they just go in in puree versus um painstakingly peeling these spiky little bastards uh and and chucking them into the mash tun. amazing amazing um did you brew a lot of brown owls in your in your homebrew days when you were starting out not even remotely no ah. no uh oh. Yeah, no, I, I live I lived well and truly in the um, in the IPA pale ale category. That was my style. That's what I liked. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in Australia, when we when we kicked off, um, and even today, realistically, IPAs are well and truly the the, the number one beer mm -hmm. in, in nation. Well, internationally, they're they're still the highest selling beer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everybody's got one. Everybody's has one. So we didn't. We didn't even do an, uh, an IPA for the first year and a half, two years of, of, of hard road brewing. I just didn't see a point in doing it. I didn't really want to compete with everybody else. Interesting. 
Yeah, really interesting. It's good. It's 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 I find it I find it fascinating that you're the pre commercial hard road um days that you you weren't uh the, the sorry that that IPAs were were your go-to. And then post that, it sounds like it's just another string and you were a little bit hesitant. Um is is so now if you were to go back to home brewing, what would that mean for for where you'd go? What what would excite you to personally brew in a small scale away from what you do from day to day? I mean, it's is it is it yeah is it one of those things where your 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 passion's your day to day job now and it's it's changed somewhat. Um, I I've really fallen into these styles. I mean, um, one of our beer reps gave me um gave me a bit of a story about somebody who was selling a beers to and he you know he went in had a chat to the publican and they said oh yeah hard red brewing they, they make the old man beers <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'm like oh i don't know i don't i don't i don't particularly mind that um yeah they're they're friggin great old man beers i i love every one of them like the chestnut brown the, the esb Everything, everything to me that just says it has malt. Um, it's one thing I find lacking in a lot of in a lot of Australian breweries is just the simple use of malt. Yeah. Um, everybody tends to, to to default to a pilsner and a pale and and really wash it out. I'm just like, no, that's 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 not even to style. It, it, and I'm not a, I'm not I'm not a diehard. You know, it's got to be to the BJCP. It's not. Yeah. I don't live there. I don't I don't really care about them. I mean, if you got if you got to nail a beer name it a style that's cool default to them but um ultimately it just comes back to flavor and it's like i just i just love the style i just love the malt and the beers um so even but even with our even with our ipas even with our pale ales everything's going to have color everything's going to have malt in it and it's it's just so important Hmm. and i i think yeah you're completely right i we we've had this couple we've had this conversation before a few times where and and we're, let's bring up Sierra Nevada again, where their pale ales actually actually has a good whack of color in it, where most pale ales, most modern pale ales don't. Um, they mm. don't have small caramel malts. Mm. I think it's uh, yeah. I I I totally agree. I really love the fact you guys are doing that. Um, going back to brown ale, when I suppose with a lot of the English styles, um, can you remember? A time that you tried them is it is it it can is there a specific um moment where where you thought right malt this brown ale is amazing i want to do that um yeah where where was that part of the journey uh look in, several several lives ago um i was a I was an out. I was an outdoor guide, um, among among other things. But one of the things was I was an outdoor guide. A lot of those guys, um, good old crunchy hippies, um, they 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 kind of introduced me to uh, the the brand called New Belgium. Uh, people will be familiar with that. And then the Fat Tire Ale. Um, then you have other beers. Uh, that that was that was one of our absolute go tos. Absolutely delicious beer. Um, nice and easy to drink, uh, full full of flavor, tons of malt. That that was sort of my first introduction to the malty style of beers. Um, and then uh, you go back even 
to well far out Newcastle Brown Ale. I mean, there's there's some oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. crackers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know. Um, what else? Um, or something like Rogue Hazelnut Brown. I don't know. For like, I don't. Oh know. yeah, dude. Rogue Rogues was Rogues was a, like anything that comes out of Rogue is amazing. But but their 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 brown ale is cracker. That's a, so, that's one of the beers that blew my mind. I reckon. I know this isn't a podcast about me, but we're talking about brown owls and nuts. So, <laughs> well, I reckon actually both. I, I went on that journey from Newcastle, which I guess for most people who are truly craft beer will be cringing if I say this, but for me at a time it was yeah. a completely different style of beer that we didn't get in Australia. Yeah. yeah. And then going on that road into Rogue and stuff. So I, I reckon I've trod exactly that road to go, this is the kind of style that I love. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And they kind of, and it, it, they're, they're surprisingly food sympathetic in terms of how, like, you know, you need a beer with a little bit of, with a little bit more texture and a little bit more weight if you go drink food. Oh, we lost Lane. Wow. That's disappointing. He was outraged by what you said there. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got fucking food and beer. Who the hell would who the hell would drink beer with food? What sort of maniac does it? Maybe he's just against hazelnuts. <laughs> Hi, Lane. Are you there? And Lane, you're on mute when you Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my that's usually my deal. Yeah, it's usually my deal as well, so. The great thing about that bit, Lane, is we were talking amongst ourselves anyway. I'm going to press pause. On that. Yeah, good idea. That's right. You guys start recording before we... Um, Yeah, Lane, it was amazing. We were talking about brown owls and our journey with brown owls, and it sounds, uh, it sounds a little familiar. Yeah, Newcastle brown owl. And then we were talking about food owls, and then you cut out. So we thought you just hated the idea of a curry with brown owl. Like, and, and just just walked out of the room. And yeah, like, he just threw the mic on the ground and just walked out. It's a bloody outrage. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's terrible. <laughs> Typically my style, but I'm going to... Lamb and Brown Owl, who the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, uh, so the I'll say this. the One of the very... Uh, and this was the, the most full-on beer I've ever had in, 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 in my, my memory. Um, and it, it does live in the Brown Owl category. It was a, um, a Sam Adams triple block. Oh. It was a, a a limited release. It was it came in these little piccolo bottles. Uh, this is back in the states. This is way way back in my in my early days when I was still probably just one of the worst trash ever. And my buddy um, brought in some Sam Adams triple box, and he thought it was hilarious because they were uh, twelve or thirteen percent Bach ales, right? And I tried it, and I'm like. And I damn near spit it out. And I'm like, what is this? And it was so much flavor and it was so heavy. And I'm like, and I didn't, I mean, this was us just swilling beers way back in the day. And I'm like, I can't, I can't drink that. So, you know, depart and go get something else. Um, but that was, that was my earliest experience with a very big, heavy, malty beer. And it was just way too much flavor. Um, today, I would 
you know, approaching my 50s, I would pour it into a lovely little snifter glass and I would drink it appropriately and, yeah. and really enjoy it. But back in the day, no, nah, it wasn't my deal. Um, was there, uh, going back to your, your history, was there a particular moment you thought, uh, you and Ange thought, yeah, this would be a good idea. Let's, let's. <laughs> Open a brewery. What was the what was the thinking behind that? What was that terrible <laughs> moment? What was the way? What ridiculousness was happening? What, was, what was the lack of thinking behind that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, oh, far out. It's um, if okay. So if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. It's I'm 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 just one of those guys that right or wrong. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, Angie and I fell in love with the brewing community back in Santa Barbara, back in Ojai, um, at the California Home Brewers Festivals, right? Um, amazing group of guys, amazing groups of people. We had so much fun at all these festivals that we thought, you know what, it's something we, she and I can do together. Um, it was pretty much from that year on, uh, we decided we were gonna open a brewery. This was back in eight, 2008. Um, and we decided we were going to open a brewery and that was what we were going to do. And we were going to work on it until we got to it. Um, uh, what was what it? Were you um, doing, what were you doing before that? Like, you know, obviously, you know what was the <laughs> In, environmental work? Uh, so I was doing soil and groundwater, uh, environmental scientist. Um, not, not that I'm hugging trees, but I'm an environmental scientist. It's where we, uh, yeah, we just, we just look at the soil and groundwater, um, We've had a lot of groundwater discussions in the room uh, outside of the recordings tonight, which is what we like to do in the core room. It's when it comes to, you know, floodplain testing, we're all about that. Well, I can, I can, I can somewhat chat intelligently about that as well. <laughs> Probably more than I can. <laughs> Likely not. Um, so we, we fell in love with it then. We said we're going to open a brewery and then we put all of our efforts into it. Uh, the company I was working for then moved us back to Australia or was, well, they bought a small company here in Australia. I, I was an Australian resident at the time. So they said, yep, you're sold with the deal. You're going back. Uh, you're going to, you're going to go back to Australia and, and, and kind of kick that, kick that, that office off with, with the clients that we were, we were bringing with it. And, and we knew the minute we, the minute we landed, that was what Angie started focusing on was opening a brewery. Uh, that was in 2012, uh, and then we opened Caltoria in 2015. And and tell us about that bit of the what was the sort of that those three years like? Was it about trying to find the right site? Was it you know why Bayswater? Is that you know because you live out that way? Just explain to people. Yeah, who, so who, um, who, who want to go through that same process? Give us a bit of advice for them. Yeah, so it's 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 a tough old gig trying to find a place. Um, there's so many there's so many little pitfalls, and um, we were we were really lucky. Uh, one of the one of my subcontractors that I used, they just moved into a, a warehouse, and they said, "Oh, we've got heaps of room. You can you can leave some room off of us," which which we did eventually. It took us about a year, and then we decided, "All right, well, that's the path of least resistance." Angie and I built the. the the brewery out of our back pocket so we didn't go out and get a bunch of money um so we were just trying to scrimp and save where we could um i have an engineering background so i i, I built everything um and in every holiday weekend whatever we i i was welding and 
grinding and building and whatever. And we finally put a brewery together, uh, which is the same brewery we're using today. Um, but yeah, that's that that's kind of that process. It was just just hard slog and get it done. I mean, that sounds like far more of a sort of process that's like home brewing than hard. many other people we have. It, admittedly, um, sorry. Go, apologies, I probably missed most of all of that. Yeah, I think we're about to be hit by a storm again here. <laughs> Why don't we take a ten-minute break? Stay online, yeah, but yeah. then we'll then we'll come back with the next beer, and I'll just stop the recording bit because. Jane just told me that we're about to get hit and I can hear the thunder outside my door at the moment. Yeah, cool. We'll just talk offline. Yeah. If that works for everyone. Well, we're back here. Yeah. We're in the Zoom room. It's episode 217. It might even be episode 218 if I am recording this properly and editing it as I will. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying the show. We are loving talking about some great malt-driven beers. That's what we were doing there uh, in the gap between the two uh, bits of the episode that you might have heard. All the more reason to join us live in the Cool Room Zoom room on a Thursday night so that you too can chat with the brewers that we have in the show while we're not recording. Um We've got the beer that I've been waiting to have, both for the reason that it's an ESB, a style that I love. It's also called Drongo's Revenge. And, um, well, we love the fact that Heinrich live, uh, listens in from Sweden, uh, or Norway, wherever he is at the moment. He's on holidays. I think it's what you do over there. We have people from all around the world, and we're going to have to explain the word Drongo. And um, when I think of the word Drongo, I think, Mr. Warren Wu, you're the man who could explain that word to us. <laughs> see, see how close I, I went to an insult. Oh there? yeah, oh yeah, and I, I, yeah, I'm so a drongo. I think it's what's you being being the teacher that you are, David. The word where the sound reflects the meaning of the word. It's not quite onomatopoeia, but it's on yeah, the road too. Not on Matapia, but yeah, it's it it is very much along the lines. If you were calling someone a drongo, I think the word drongo would immediately make you understand what you were saying about that particular. The, the, the story that I know about the word drongo, which I think, is completely apocryphal, could be completely made up, and we'll see whether I'm interested to see whether this fits with Lane's understanding. Is that there was yeah. a horse in the nineteen 19- let's say 1920s, as Farlap is to goodness and excellence and during the Great Depression was the great hope of gamblers in Australia, there was a horse called Drongo who lost 100 races in a row and <laughs> but almost became loved in a very Australian way. Yeah. Uh, you know, of you know, it was like he loses... But they started to bet on him losing, and that sort of became the thing. So he lost 100 races in a row. As a thoroughbred, that's a lot of races yeah. for someone to keep paying your hay without actually getting a run. But, well, Lane, come on, give us your version All of right. why Drongo's Revenge. Well, I would have sent that horse to the glue factory around loss of 50. But anyway, that's me. Um, that's pretty so, generous, actually. Okay. 
<laughs> so uh, Drongo's, um, far out, Drongo's is a big story. <laughs> not a big story. It's 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 not that long. Um, so we've one got of a lot of time. The, the beauty of recording on you know electronic. Yeah, I know we're, we're going to start something. So so okay. So where Drongo's came from? Um, one of my original business partners uh, had a bar. If, if everybody, if anybody recalls a bar called Oscars up in Belgrave, Oscars Ale House, Brad Barrett is a champion of a guy. Um, he, he had that place for a little while. Anyway, he had this gentleman that wouldn't come in. The only thing he would drink was ESBs. And one night, uh, apparently, um, he, he had a fair few too many ESBs and everybody was just chatting at the bar and he looked over at Brad and he said, Hey, did you just call me a Drongo? And Brad replied and said, uh, no, I don't think so. And the guy said, that's it. That's the last time I'm, I'm drinking here. And he turns around and he storms out and Brad turns to Brad turns to his barman and he's like, what's a Drongo? You know? <laughs> Brad, okay. So history is Brad, Brad Merritt is also American. Um, so why would you know what a Drongo is? Uh, th that's why we came if so, so Drongo's revenge was this guy kept coming, like that was not the last time he was going to drink there. He kept coming back and, and he loved DSBs. And so he continued to drink there. Um, anyway, so that's Drongo's I, I love that story a lot for so many different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never coming back is the call that I've heard so many times as I push people out the bar on a Friday night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, David. You could probably relate to this. I don't know how many times you're like, "Yep, okay, we'll see you next Wednesday." Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's so that's so so Brad had this Brad had this amazing um, ability to work with hops um, based on his running a hop farm. Um, I had I had my love of malt in a beer, and together we made Drunger's Revenge, uh, an ESB is or an extra special bitter is just that it's that it's that um very fine line between um malty sweetness and hoppy bitterness and and you got to have the bitterness you got to have the malty sweetness but one can't really out outweigh the other uh it's a really important point of that beer and i and i i personally think we we knocked it out of the park on this one i love this beer um this is this can be a hot weather beer cold weather beer um, during winter I just leave them out and you can drink them room temp during the summer you can drink them nice and cold and they're lovely anyway so that, that's where our ESP lives I I love this style of beer as we people who listen to the podcast all the time would know but I really want to know is there a bloke out there who has no idea that there's a beer named after him I'd love to have a beer named after me but is there some bloke up you know up in the hills at the moment who has no idea I I hesitate to tell him. I, I'd imagine he's going to come knocking on my door, going, "Yep, yeah, you're going to owe me some royalties on that one." Well, so hi, Enrique in uh, in Norway, all of our US, all of our UK, all of our listeners in the Bahamas. This beer isn't named after you, but someone in Melbourne, <laughs> this beer is named after you. Exactly. The, 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 and, and to the point uh, when you and and we we debated the name. I was like, oh, I don't know if we should, I don't know if it's a super derogatory name. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's that. And and everybody said, oh, no, it's it's appropriate. Let it happen. 
I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, but we got to we got to put a little um, a little story on the side of the can and let everybody know where it came from. And you've written that in the kind of font that someone who's almost fifty, closer to fifty than you are, um, can can almost read now. So that's a that's a beautiful <laughs> thing. When sorry, I'll make it smaller next time. <laughs> as long as you hold the can far enough away from me, it'll be okay. So from one end of the brewery to the other, that'll work beautifully. Um, Tell us a bit more about, you know, is there a particular beer where you fell in love with, with this style? You've told us a little bit previously about, you know, where the brown ales and things come from. Is there a memory you have of an ESB along the way where you went, that's what I love, that's what I want to be doing? Oh, look, if, if you, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of drop back to the, to the stock standards. Fuller's, um, Hargraves was always an awesome, uh, Hargraves always kind of held the title um, for the local Australian ESB. Um, I'm utterly biased in this, but I would like to say I, I prefer ours more than I prefer hard grades at the moment. But if I, if, if I, if I, again, if I hearken back to just a straight stock, uh, not stock standard, um, the very true, true to style would be, would be the Fuller's Brew, um, ESB, which, which we've had plenty of. What what should this style be? I suppose, you, and you sort of answered it, but explain the the classic and where it comes from. Because I've always kind of half wondered. Um, it's obviously got to be bitter, and it's obviously got to be an English style. Yeah. So so a lot of the flavor from the ESB comes from the, uh, from the yeast. Um, you get you get a lot of lovely, really lovely nutty nutty notes from this yeast, and and to to some degree you you okay. So so the ESB extra special bitter. Um, some folks will will mix it up with English special bitter. I don't think it happens. I don't think it's wrong either way. Extra special bitter, and I have to explain to people um, when they ask me what's an ESB, and I say it's an extra special bitter, and, and I didn't actually name it that. It's that's the style that it is because otherwise you kind of come off pretty pompous. Um, so it, it, it literally is, it, it is a bitter, so it's an English bitter beer. And then, um, but it is also an English ale, so it's gonna have malt. Mm. Uh, the, the yeast is really the kicker in this one, which is what drives a lot of the flavor. Uh, and then this is, this is sort of, this sort of is across the board with all beers. It's, it's like I can, I can brew, an ESB or I can brew a chestnut brown and I can throw a different yeast in either of them and it's going to be a totally different beer but it's the yeast that really drives this beer um, and then the flavors that that with the way it works um, so with the history of it it's just a it's an extra special bitter it's a bitter beer from England I guess and then beyond that um, it's kind of what whatever you want to make of it I suppose um, but it but it really does live in that malt, uh, malty sweetness and and bitter, uh, bitter territory. And you, it, it's just it's just a dead balance between the two. If one of them's out, it's it's not an ESP. Um, back to the drongos. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna lovingly call all of all of uh of the brewery world and all the people who sit in tap rooms, drongos. So those drongos, do they 
how much do they drive what you do? So you've got 20 taps and yeah. not, and you try to get a broad range of things. Like the your audience and the people who come into the tap room, how much do they drive what you what you do and where it goes? Yep. Uh, it's a great question. Um, I lean I lean on our on our barflies a lot. Um, that's a, maybe an American term, a barfly. But um, so those are the guys that that sort of live at your bar and they they love what you do. And and um, when we've had we we do guest taps. Um, I love I love hosting uh, gypsy brewers. Uh, they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of options uh, out there. So if they come in and ask me, and I'm like. I don't really care what it is. We'll, we'll put one on tap. Um, I, I get a lot from, I, I learn a lot from our bar flies and, and what they want and how they like it uh, based off of our gypsy brewers that we host as well as, as, as our beers. Um, and I've got, I've got, I've got some lovely drongos in here that, um, that love that like, that's the beer they sit on. Um, and when I when I get a when I get a, a gypsy brewer in that brews something different or whatever, then they'll love to try that as well. But then they just default back to the drongos, and it's not it's not folks you would expect. Um, there's a lot of high vis out there that, that that just deeply passionately love multi beers, which mm. which I find is absolutely like it blows me away. And they're not even remotely near my age. That's, can, um, can, can I ask? Are there, are there some of those gypsy brewers, and you'd like to call out, like give a shout out to? Oh, them? look, one hundred percent. Yeah, I've had Warren Guy, Avenge. Um, who else? Uh, Avenge, we love. We've had we've had to go back and check out the archives, not just for Sierra Nevada. Check out the archives for Avenge Brewing. That was a great episode. That one. James is a champion. He, he's a lovely dude. He's done such a good job in, in the time that he's been doing this. Um, he's he's made some great beers and he's he's done some really lovely stuff. Um, who else? Um, and now it's a, oh um, firehouse something like that. Um, uh, well, it's always just fun for us to hear those up and coming names and then yeah you know, five ten yeah five ten brewing. Um, I've had a few of his beers in. Um, but but I'm I'm not I'm not asking. For every single gypsy brewer to come hammer me. Oh, I think that's what you are asking really for. Right? Is I'll, but, edit, I'll, I'll edit that bit out, mate. So, and I'll just. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't mind. Like Angie and I are in the same spot, and that's why that's why we're just like, yeah, whatever. It's just it's going to be on it's going to be on tap for about a week, and then it'll it'll be fine unless it's on tap for longer, and then we tell them to come pick it up. But. Um, but we, we we just we just like to look after you know the folks that, that the, the same place that we've been I suppose. How does it feel to be one of the old men of the uh, Melbourne brewing scene, even though that's probably oh. how you think of yourself? But literally, you've been doing this now, as you say, for fifteen, almost getting closer to twenty years. What's it sort of like to feel that sort of sense of bringing other people through? Oh, far out! I, I feel it's, it's it's a bit of an obligation, honestly. Um, if, if 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 any of them ask me, you know, for advice, I'll I'll give them everything I got, you know, much to Angie's chagrin. Um, she's like she's like that's our competitor, you know, and and she's she's the business she's the business brains behind all this. Um, she's saying and, get home, don't stay in the in the in the brew house giving advice, yeah. just get home. Yeah, no, she she's but, somewhat, but you know, so like, come feed the kid and put him to bed. Yep, we'll do. Um, <laughs> 
And but but on the same side, it's it's exact same spot. We've been um, always been looking for taps. We've always been looking for an outlet to sell our beer and all the rest. And and if we've got the whole idea of the twenty taps is it's like it's just it's it's the person that walks through the door. You want to give them the best experience. You want to give them the most selection. You want to be able to provide them the best time that they can have in your venue at that time. So when we have twenty taps, certainly there's going to be one that's available. Like tonight, um, we've opened up. We pulled our pale ale off one tap and put on um, Avengers Hazy. I forget which one. Apologies, James. Um, hazy days. No, something days. Um, uh, hazy IPA. So that that's gone on tap. Um, so it's just it's just it's just. It's kind of, we're kind of in a in a position where it's lovely that we can do that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix up one of our traditional cool room questions a little bit because we don't often get to yeah change this <laughs> one up. Uh, so normally we ask what is your favorite bit of kit in your brewery, and that's a great question. I really love it. What's your what piece of kit did you make which you're most proud of in your brewery? Great question, Warren. I'm perfect, absolutely perfect. <laughs> oh, you've outraged him again, and we've lost. I him. know he's just so, like it's all. Um, uh oh, uh, we'll never know the answer. No, it's just like I made this. I made this. Frozen out. Are you back with us, Lane? That looks better. Are we back? Yep. Hey, Warren, give us right. a I'm, I'm going to kill my video. I'm going to kill my video again. We'll, we'll do that. Um, hey, hey, Warren. Warren will ask the question again. Go. Um, so normally we've got a cool room question, which is basically what's your favorite bit of kit in the brewery? And I love the question because it, it's quite often we get some really great answers. Um, but for yours, I'm going to ask, what's the favorite bit of kit which you made in your brewery? What's the thing you're most proud of that you made for your brewery? Okay, so yeah, no, it's a, it's an awesome question, um, and and this is this is no pat on my back. Uh, I I this is just simply necessity uh, is is the mother of invention. I didn't invent the brewery, but I certainly converted a bunch of milk tanks into uh, into a working brew house. Uh, I fashioned it all off of our pilot brewery um, and. So the brewery works great. It's a two vessel system. My my most favorite piece of equipment, bar none, is the is the grain mill. Um, I built a grain mill that uh, that that smashes a bag of grain, a twenty five kilo bag of grain, in about forty five seconds, and it does it well. <laughs> and that that um, that comes out of necessity, uh, as we were, it, it would take us almost a day to mill grain for one batch of beer. No. Before. Yeah, it, and, I, and when I say a day, it's just one dude sitting there for about four hours watching a tiny little two-roller mill. Like, uh, what was it, a mash master or something like that? Uh, just, just slowly crush grain. It was so painful. And I'm like, I finally cracked it and I had the shits and I'm just like, oh, God damn it. And I've had this thing building in my head in the background. And while a bag of mill was, uh, well, a bag of grain was milling, 
um, I was cutting plate steel and 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 working out bits and pieces. And and so my grain mill that still smashes grain to this day is my is my favorite invention. That's I great. Is, is there any bit of kit that you really want to build and you're not quite where, where's the next thing that's in your head is there a... i'm not building yeah so i'm not building anything else for starters uh that that bit it of hard like, that sounds over. like what everyone says until they start building the next thing <laughs> exactly yeah so so that that's that's me to a t uh because i'll find myself back at the drill press here shortly yeah um but um look uh we're we've okay so we've just put in a a 10 head cask uh cast canning line um which i i had plenty of plans in my head of building my own canning line but that was a that was a really stupid idea so we, we, we ended up, yeah it was a bad idea so especially with the way this thing runs it just shoots beer cans out at ridiculous rate um my i guess my my only other thing would be um just an ultra filtration or a centrifuge uh, something I can I can I can clean up a beer um, and get it ready for probably um, both interstate and international travel. We we talk a lot about centrifuges here. I mean that genuinely. Is it something you reckon you could build yourself, or is it no. something you've actually got to buy? Like no, no. These, these, these things these things are they're, they're pretty amazing pieces of equipment. Um, if you just build something that spins really fast and and look possibly but far out no way but when you when you when you say when you say they start the smallest unit starts at six uh minimum six figures but like you just you just you just your mind boggles about how how you can actually get a hold of one well I, I think I could almost do a whole centrifuge only podcast. That's genuinely how much we talk about them here. We've got with James and others, we've got some people who are so expert in the room, but Mr. Warren Wu, I'm going to throw to you for our most traditional cool room question. Then we've got a couple of audience questions. Then we're going to press pause. In fact, we're going to press stop on the recording and we can all sit around and enjoy the rest of the delicious beers in our hard road tasting pack. Awesome. Uh, so, Lane, the traditional cool room question, what's the most confronting, strange, traumatising, uh, special thing you've seen in a cool room? Um, so the definition of cool room we're quite broad with. So it could be, uh, it could be an actual cool room or any brewing could be anything, really. could be a garage. You can a story about the brewing journey, I suppose. Uh, far out. Um... I, I was I was sitting in um, this would have been one of them, uh, far out I, I don't even remember which which forum we were sitting in it was a live forum um, would have been one of the A and H C um, would have been a, a guest speaker and I don't remember which brewery it was it could have been American it could have been Australian I don't recall but they they had talked about um, opening up their plate chiller. And they'd done it for the first time, uh, and they, they were horrified. <laughs> um, and and that that's always resonated in my head because you you think you know, well not you think a, a brewery has to, like anything past the boil kettle it has to be dead set sterile. I mean it has to be like 
hospital grade sterile. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself into trouble, right? So, so when so the plate chiller is after the boil kettle, uh, where it goes, and you, that's the last thing it hits before it goes to the fermenter, and you hit and you, and you pitch the yeast. So that that always struck me as pretty wild. And then, um, and then, and then I, and then I started brewing and, and bought a plate chiller. And then that, that conversation went through my head again and I opened my plate chiller and I was fucking horrified <laughs> what was in there. Um, because you, you run your cost, you do all the right stuff, right? You do, you, you, you back flush it with hot water, you, you, and then you pump it back the other way and then you get all the crap out and you run sanitizer and you do all the stuff, right? And you think, yep, that's a clean piece of equipment. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And then, and then you're like, one day you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll just, you know. We'll get the apprentice to do something. And, yeah, pull these plates apart and have a quick look-see. And holy Jesus, um, the garbage that's caught up in that thing is terrifying. And and now it's a very regular thing in our brew process like every two to three brews and it, it, it depends on the beer we're doing if we've done a really hoppy beer in the kettle like if i'm doing doing tons of uh of, of um, hops in the kettle um i usually run my pump until i until the plate chill is clogged <laughs> and then and then that's that's about that's about as much beer as i'm going to get out of the kettle um but then i know i have to i have to open it up and 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 crack it out yeah and 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 get all that garbage out of there so that, i guess that's the most horrifying thing in my cool room if you will i think that's a great answer that covers a bit of both you know brewing advice and horrific cool room story that's what we're all about so there you go uh we've got a couple of audience questions here i'm going to ask my friend james to unmute james uh you've got a couple of questions lined up here you've been Traveling as ever, you've been over in New Zealand. Do you love to have a yarn about hops that both you see emerging and brewers see emerging? So far away, my friend. Yeah, thanks, David. And thanks, Lane. It's wonderful hearing more about Hard Road Brewing. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, you talked early on about, you know, your, um, I guess, respect for the classics. So the three Cs or maybe even the seven Cs, but... Um, I wondered if you had picked up on any emerging brewing trends and um, in terms of hops and if there are any which really grabbed your attention. I have. Um, we, we, okay, so with our brew, hops are a very big thing for us because, well, for all the normal reasons of, of beer, taste, flavor, all the rest, bitterness um one of the things with our brew houses is, is if we if we add a lot of hops in pellet form to the kettle which is where most hops are added um we lose we lose production yield right um and that that's a big thing for us so we've we've started lots of oils lots of different oil products lots of different hop extractions have really been coming on the market very strongly. And those, those, those just simply help us. Now we can't um, help us in the, in the way that they've, um, whoever the manufacturer is, has, has pulled out all the, the delicious bits of the hops and they've given you to them in a very condensed form and you use them in a very different way. Um, 
and then that that adds to your yield because you're not you're not dealing with this um with the the true the the hop material itself which then clogs plate chillers and so on and so forth but there's also uh other cryoforms um of hops that that just 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 allow you to get more yield out of them the other side of that is, is you can't fully lean on oils which which i did in one beer which was a, a bad idea um you have to always have a bit of that vegetation part of a hop if you're missing that vegetal part of the hop you're missing a massive flavor component so you can you can offset a little bit of and I don't, I don't, I haven't really quite worked out percentage-wise what that is, but you can offset some of your hops with oils, but you have to have some of that vegetal component as well. Otherwise, you're losing a lot of depth of complexity of flavor of the hops themselves. And whether it's just the, the chloroform or far out, whatever other chemical uh, boffin will tell you about hops themselves, um, you just have to have it. So we, we've really been playing around with um, supplementing some of our, and especially in our core range, some of our pellet hops with, with oils, but we still keep a big component of, of pellets in there just to, just to give that, that flavor, that, just to keep that flavor going. Does that, does that kind of help out? A yeah, I was just wondering, are there any that super excite you? Like with, I'm, I'm just going to go New Zealand centric right now, like, you know, around the, Nelson Bay's region, there's so many, like, you know, Rewaka. I love Rewaka, but, you know, we've yeah. we've got, you know, all these other things like uh, Nectaron and Peacherine and all these other things. Even Bruce, which I had once in a Dean's beer, I think. And, I mean, these are all amazing hops. I'm sure they're in limited supply, but I wondered if any of these excite you and something that you'd love to have in your beers. If, you, if you'll have a look at um, the gold, uh, and I appreciate this isn't in the uh, isn't in the the, the the three beers that we tasted currently, uh, but if you have a look in, in the the IIIPA, um, you'll you'll I see move on to that one. It's delicious. Yeah. So 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 Nectron lives in there. Um, we are we're certainly. Okay, so my my brewer uh, Lauren, he is he's he's super keen to try all kinds of pops. He's he's keen to get us a um, a core range IPA, which I don't particularly agree with because IPAs are so much fun. There's so many variables, hops because you know for any number of different reasons, I I don't particularly want a core range IPA. He's probably going to win out because he's the brewer, but anyway. Um, so, so yeah, no, look, there's, there's so many amazing hops out there and there's, there's hops out there that, that, um, the public don't even know about quite honestly, um, they're, they're test hops and all they have is, is a number <laughs> and, and they'll, they'll, um, so any of your produce, any of your suppliers, they'll give you these little, you know, 20 gram bags or whatever of, of hops. And that doesn't do anything for us. I'm like, okay, how about a five kilo bag? <laughs> of samples amazing right um and and then we can we can kind of get an idea of what we want to do with it um so there, there are some absolutely amazing hops out there and, and and in no way is is new zealand left out of that they they, they produce some absolute crackers can, can i ask how easy it is to get your hand on some of those products you've just been speaking about there we often hear 
particularly from Australian brewers, how hard it is to get hold of the kind of hops they want from New Zealand, also Australia. Let's say Nelson Savon was an example. Like everyone wants it. It's really hard to get. How easy is it to get your hands on some of these other products? Is it easier or harder to get those sort of the oils and the, the cryo versions? Um, look, um, it depends on your, it depends on your, um, relationship with the suppliers, I suppose. Um, if they know you're, you're going to be using a volume of them, then they're probably going to favor you for, for where they for where those samples go. Um, if they don't feel that way about your buying capacity, then they might not favor you. Um, it's 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 as simple as it's as simple as that. It's just capitalism, right? I was going to so say it sounds like capitalism. I'm I'm yet to I'm yet to grasp how it works, but I keep hearing um, these rumors about it. Look, it, look, it's all it's all it all comes down to sales. It lives in that category, and um, and then also um, if you're a prick or not, and and I haven't found myself to be too prick like. So um, our, our my suppliers are lovely. Um, I, I give them beers. They give me hops. Um, if I if I if I want to try something, they're very forthcoming with it. They they they'll come to us and and say, "Would you guys like to pilot this or pilot that?" And and whether we do or don't, whether we want to go in that direction or not, it's it's kind of up to us. Well, in the couple of months we've been building up to today, you've proven yourself to be anything other than a prick. Uh, <laughs> I've got to say, someone else who's not a prick, Mark, Mark in Seaford. Let's have the last audience question from you. That's one of the worst segues I've ever. No, I was going to say that's an awesome segue. You just, you just <laughs> it's pretty well, you know, you know, it's excluded me from being a prick as well as one of your listeners. That's amazing. Yeah, brother yeah. Mark. Yeah, <laughs> let's no. let's let's see how I actually edit that one through. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it was funny that I sort of jumped on, and my first beer was the Drongo too. So, duly <laughs> noted. Yeah. No, in, fact, no. in fact, how about this for an intro? Luckily, uh, we've just had another Drongo join us. It's Mark from Seaford. Mark, <laughs> do you have a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for your time, Marty. Um, yeah, it's, it's about your um art and your branding. Um, I, I love your canned art and so forth. Uh, is that you, or is it a team effort down at the brewery, or do you have a, a regular designer? Yeah, we're, we're always sort of interested in that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we've we've got um, we we uh, unashamedly farm it all out. Um, branding is a branding is a very specific thing. Angie and I did our first branding uh, for Caltoria Brewing, and uh, admittedly, it was it was shit. Uh, um, and we learned from that, and um, so then. When we when we when we kicked off Hard Road Brewing, uh, one of our business partners had somebody that they worked with, or there was there was a customer of theirs. She did branding, and she she is quite honestly she's amazing. Um, Janet from Two Red Dogs, um, her her design aesthetic is spot on. She's everything we give her. We give her um, I give her a piss poor brief. Uh, it's just basically like a like a really bad brain dump in an email, and she'll come back with three or four concepts that that are they're all of them are awesome. Um, just one or one or more will will kind of suit me, and and then then I land on one. 
Um, our branding has always been based on on the way I look for beers off a shelf, uh, which is one, I don't want it so confusing and so, sorry, so, so confusing and so muddled that I can't see what I'm drinking or what I'm looking for. I always want to see the beer that I'm looking for, uh, which is often an IPA or a West Coast IPA. But I don't want to look at a I don't want to look at a can for so long that I can't find that name and I'll I'll pass right over it. So we always want to be able to say what the beer is, uh, and then if we have a if we have a a funny name, uh, then we'll throw it on there as well. But we really want to name what the beer is. So it's that color blocking that we that we live in, um, and then um, the all all of the other d design aesthetic behind the color blocking is 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 quite honestly it's Janet. Um, thanks, Lane, and thanks for the question, Mark. Uh, I think that is probably a great time for us to wish. Uh, hold on, why is Jane pointing at me? Jane's pointing at something, which is Martin Bowles's empty box in my screen. Yeah, I don't know what she's pointing at either. That's very confusing, Jane. Sounds <laughs> like sounds that I don't get. Why don't you just unmute yourself? We'll just edit this out. I have another question. What? Oh. Oh, oh, right. thanks, Jane. As does Lionel. Let's try, the, let's try this again, okay, before we go. All right. Thank, thanks, Jane, for that. <laughs> and we've got one more question from James. And we love James. We love his questions. We'd never miss any of them from the, the chat. So, James, could you unmute and ask your question? <laughs> oh, thanks, Warren. Quite of you to notice. Um, thanks, Jane. Um, so the the question I had was really around um you, you talked about your your tap room and you have a venge involved with a bunch of taps. Um what I'm really interested to know is if you thought about collaborating on a maybe a interesting beer with Avenge or other people in the neighborhood or we often hear about people providing coffee or something for a collab. You know, from the, no the local region, I wondered if that was on your radar. Yeah, look, that, that's a great question. We've we've kicked around collabs um, in the past. I've done a collab with Watts River Brewing. Um, my 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 goal in a collab. Oh, okay. So one of my one of my one of my big loves of this thing is is education, um, both beer education and um and industry education i suppose and one of my one of my things was for the collab one of my one of my big wants for a collab was i wanted to brew the exact same beer in two different breweries and and just come together and see what those two different beers tasted like um every brewery is every it doesn't matter if you it doesn't matter what recipe I have. I'll give anybody my recipes. I'm not fussed. Um, if, if you guys want a recipe, let me know. I'll send it to you. It's Beersmith. It's easy. Um, nobody's going to brew it the exact same way that your brew house does. And that's, that's, that's a big education point, right? So I was, I was trying to excited. I was really excited to kind of come together with, um, with Watts and they named the beer. We, we did a, um, our first beer was a, a, a Bach not a Doppelbach, just a Bach. And they named it. And I said, great, let's do that. We'll, 
let's let's do the exact same recipe. Let's use the exact same yeast. We're just going to do it in two different brew houses, and we're gonna we're gonna see what it does. And they and then they said no. Let's do that's um at the at the very base of it, the yeast is probably the most critical component of a of of, of a beer uh, to make flavors something similar. So they said, no, look, you guys do your recipe of a Bach. We'll do our recipe of a Bach. Let's use the exact same yeast. I'm like, yep, Roger that. I can do that. Uh, they gave us the yeast slurry. Um, we use that yeast slurry. Uh, they did their beer. We did our beer. Came up very similar um, ABV, um, similar-ish taste profiles. Uh, I think far out. This is a few years back now. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, I want to say one one of one of the others was sweeter, only only marginally, mm. and then uh, and but otherwise there were there were both stellar examples of of a, of a bot, um, in my opinion, and so yeah so so that so we did we did do one collab I I did try and do another collab with another brewery, um, but they were they were they were. Um, they were interested in doing very different beers than what we do. Um, so much so that I just, I just let it go. It was, uh, it was an oatmeal cream, uh, far out. It was so, it was so far outside of my, my brewing style that I'm just like, we're not going to land on anything similar. So, so yes, we, we, uh, I'm, I'm always open to collaborations. Um, I would love to do collaborations with um, similar style breweries, similar style taste profiles, um, and that we can we can sort of work off of each other. And there's always a ton of learning that comes from from that as well. So I'm always interested in learning off of others. Great question, James. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we got to it. Uh, and thank you, Lane. Uh, that has been it's been really fun. Um, it's it's been really fascinating too. Uh, if any of our listeners want to check out Lane, there uh, Lane at Hard Road Brewing. Um, they're in Bayswater, and oh. you only have to look up Hard Road Brewing, which is ridiculously easy because yeah, you guys are the only ones, which must be really cool. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Lane. Um, have a great night and we will sit around here drinking uh, the rest of your beers. Awesome. Let's do it, Warren. Thanks, brother. Awesome night. Cheers, David. And um, thanks thanks all uh, for hanging in there. Appreciate you guys listening to me ramble. Cheers.